So I don't know if you gentlemen have heard the horrible news. There was an attack upon a famous monument that we have spoken about several episodes in the past. A heinous person decided to place a pipe bomb around the Georgia Guidestones, causing massive amounts of damage, and the county decided that it was unsafe and have pulled it down. So it's it's no longer a thing, and they even unearthed the time capsule that was beneath it, which I had no idea What? About. Really? I didn't yeah. know about that. Yeah, and inside was some random things. And I have a list of said <laughs> random things. Inside was uh, one single eight-track tape of Saturday Night Fever, a Peterbilt, uh, yeah, Peterbilt emblem, a October 1979 Playboy magazine signed by Burt Reynolds. Oh, my God. And that's bag, history. And a bag of 1,734 Quaalude pills, which, if you don't know, is a drug. Which the current street value of that <laughs> amount of pills is two million U.S. dollars. Wait, really? Yes, because because qua- quaaludes are especially those that are past expiration date are extremely potent. Uh, if you ever watch the movie Wolf of Wall Street, like you've been supposed to for the past like ten years, yeah, that was on me. You would uh, you'd see what quaaludes will do to people. It's one of the greatest scenes. Uh, it's abs- and he, he's think and oh my god, he thinks everything's perfectly fine, but. It is not perfectly fine. <laughs> what has to do with this bag of quaaludes that I've been holding on to for forever? Like I have a backpack. I have a backpack full of quaaludes. A backpack? Yeah, that's what I call my quaalude backpack. <laughs> it's backpack. My backpack. <laughs> mm, never heard of that one. You take enough of these quaaludes, you'll never yeah. hear about anything well, ever. You try to say like backpack. a random assortment of things you would find in the trunk of a 1980s automobile because the Georgia Guidestones was built in the 1980s. You know, just in everybody's trunk. The Burt Reynolds autograph happened because Burt Reynolds actually built the Georgia Guidestones and just signed the Playboy that was in his car and threw it into the time capsule. Burt Reynolds so, was so fucked up on Quaaludes that's what that I'm he saying. built the Georgia Guidestones? Yes! He was R.C. Christian? <laughs> <laughs> Rest in pieces. Hey everybody, I'm Dane Holland, and this is a simulation of a podcast. I'm Austin Shazam Pfeiffer, and if you stare long enough into the darkness, no movies ever get made. I'm Marcus, the Shadow Realm survivor known as I'm Electric Man. I'm Austin Tiny Zent, and open wide, here comes the choo-choo train. (laughs) Choo-choo! Open up for Nerdy Through the Grapevine, the podcast where four best friends gather weekly to talk about our favorite parts of past, present, and future nerd culture. And... I've recently, and by recently, I mean within the last few minutes, have been watching a movie called <laughs> Morbius. And no, <laughs> honestly, people can people can look at it either way. If you want to just go and be entertained, you better be twelve. It is, I mean, it is something of of the action packed superhero style movies that I have watched. I bet Dane knows what I'm about to say. It's one of them. <laughs> That's all I can say about it. I mean, I've I've not gotten to the end of it yet. I will get back to it to the end. But, you know, honestly, just as much stuff as the internet has turned it into at this point has jaded my opinion making on the movie in, in the first place. So at the same time, I just you go into it, you start watching, you're like, okay, this is good. Is this oh, 15 minutes in? It just kind of lost me. And that leaves me to believe that now... The plans that Sony had for this, you know, Venom and Morbius and Craven the Hunter and, and all these side character, you know, movie verses that they're going to be making, I, I just don't feel like it's going to take off. I don't think that it's going to survive now because of how poorly Morbius has done. Oh, yeah. Sony's real good at messing up a superhero movie. And as <laughs> as poorly as Morbius has done, Sony will... I mean, they've still got these other movies in the works. They haven't canceled them yet, so Morbius didn't bomb that bad. Morbius did not bomb bad enough in theaters and with the audiences to cause them to kill off a t- an entire non-existent universe. I feel like what? the dancing is what saved the movie. 
you know, it might be. It happens more often than one would think it should. Um, but the downfall of the universe, of the dark universe, the movie monster universe that was supposed to be made by Universal Studios... Does anybody have this ringing a bell to them? Like Godzilla and King Kong and all that? No. Because they did that, didn't they? No, the monster universe. I'm not talking about the like the like the giant monster universe. You're talking about Tom Cruise Mummy. I'm talking about there was only one movie made with the Dracula, you know, Frankenstein's monster, you know, Van Helsing, you know, all of these other style, the Invisible Man, all these other style, old school monster movies, Creature from the Black Lagoon, they were supposed to bring these into the modern era and introduce them into a modern world to where they would wreak havoc upon the modern world and tying all of this into it, the, the starting point of this dark universe, as they called it, all started with the 2017 movie starring Tom Cruise, The Mummy. You know, yep. I was that movie looked really cool, I thought. Absolutely. I never saw never it. Seen it. I just thought the special effects looked cool. Absolutely. And here's the thing about the movie. The movie looked fantastic as far as what you would see in, you know, bits and pieces of it. A lot of that didn't fit, though. Like, it was like, so, like <laughs> it was almost like certain CGI things were so overdone that even the surrounding environments didn't work anymore. Mm. And also the it was over actiony in spots that you were just you know overwhelmed with stuff and then it was absolutely dull as shit it would just and it felt like a very i've seen this already in a hundred different places style movie you know it's almost like it's almost like watching avatar without the revolutionary stuff happening you know you see the mummy as the, as an idea that's brought into a new age of technology that to where you've got you know better CGI to create these more dramatic effects and these more dramatic powers that this mummy would possess, and you've got Tom Cruise that's in now at Mission Impossible Mummy. It, <laughs> it, it, it that's all the movie was yeah. was the exact same guy from Mission Impossible played by the same actor but with a different name. Like that's what the entire thing seemed like. And let me read you a little uh, little rundown of it here. And this is from the mother source. Uh, the Mummy is a 2017 American fantasy action adventure film directed by Alex Kurtzman. It stars Tom Cruise as a U.S. Army sergeant, Nick Morton, a soldier of fortune who accidentally unearths the ancient tomb of the entrapped Egyptian princess, Ahmet. The rest of it is just Mission Impossible <laughs> with mummies and dark powers. And I don't know how the hell they thought they were... Because they tried doing some sneaky stuff. Like, Russell Crowe played a specific character in it. Uh, he was like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of idea. Mm. Except uh, he he wasn't he wasn't fleshed much into that character. But it was more along the idea of taking these little hints at this kind of stuff. And so, like Easter it. eggs. Yeah. For their new uh, yes. cinematic universe. That they were pre-plotting. God, I'm so glad that they killed that. Yeah. yeah. They, then they were pre-plotting that off the success that they felt the mummy would be because they put so much stuff that was hit movie material at the time, like big effects, like dark, you know, like quippy humor, like so much different stuff that should work in a movie, but it just falls so flat that audiences and critics agree, and it is so low. Uh, so low that no one can hear it. It's screaming for help and nobody. Are wants. you saying that the Church of Scientology let Tom Cruise down? <laughs> yeah, basically. Just I mean, just they, they are required to attend the movie as many times as humanly possible when a new Tom Cruise movie comes out. Well, that's fine because those are probably the only ones that actually probably the only people that actually seen it. Yeah, because I remember watching it. I can't really remember a lot of people, you know, ever even talking about it. My eyeballs consumed it, but it didn't make its way to my brain. Like I I know I watched it, but the only thing I remember is Tom Cruise was in it and the very end of the film, I pretty sure I audibly went that's the end. Yes, because I don't it, even remember it, what the it. end was. I don't even remember what it was. I don't either. I just remember it was confusing, and it just kind of ended. Yeah, it was like, how is this godly entity that is wreaking havoc now on this place, the place I can't remember. I don't know. Man. I don't remember <laughs> there it goes. It. Place I can't remember. Uh, you know, just Egypt. Yes, probably somewhere over. But <laughs> <laughs> and somewhere, somewhere over with sand. I, I bet it was like. 
I, I don't know. I had a joke and then it left me. Oh, that's okay. Just like this movie's entire plot did with it. So what we've got going on here is the... Let me read you a little bit of a a, a review of it real quick here from a critic that I thought was uh, was very good. Let me find it again here. A plastic product made by mercenaries, pimps, and profiteers rather than filmmakers who give a damn. And that's exactly what it felt like. Mm. It, it felt like it was literally made just to make money. It wasn't made to draw in fans. Well, the way you described it, it, that's the immediate reaction I had. It just made me upset that someone actually had this idea. Like, well, what properties do we have? Like, what kind of IPs do we got laying around the shelves? Oh, well, we got this one. Okay, we'll just throw them all into the same universe, and we'll just build the little Marvel universe just like they did and make a billion dollars. Like, you're dumb. That's exactly what has what was happening. There. Write a good script first, they and wa- then make a movie no. off the great script. They wanted it's not to, hard. Y'all. They wanted to cash in off of the bl- summer blockbuster slash big Marvel o- overdone CGI action packed universe, and it just everything bled through to just a big pile of hot, stinking, fecal garbage. And to put so many spoiled, rotten eggs into this basket for one movie to make all these plans because you know they've they've put a lot of effort into okay this is going to explode into all this other stuff they're planning 20 steps ahead and they have not got the first step down right yeah like they didn't know what they were doing but they had already planned this massive universe thing and that's had, just it, that, that's it what just, the fans want, guys. They want massive be, cinematic universes. We gotta, we gotta go. It's what? gonna be failure. It's what DC's issue is too. Like yeah. it's the whole like we're planning so far ahead that we can't do the thing in front of our nose. And I think it's one of the biggest, you know, kind of ill thought out, all eggs in one basket style thing I've ever seen. Because these are the movies that got canceled because of the flop that the Mummy ended up being. Also announced as part of a shared universe where the versions of Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula, The Wolfman, Phantom of the Opera, not the musical, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, The Creature from the Black Lagoon, and Van Helsing were all... Does Van Helsing even fit into that universe? Yes. Van Helsing was a monster hunter. Yeah, he was was a monster hunter. So he would be like the protagonist, like he'd be the one going around hunting the creature of the Black Lagoon? Unless you make him look like the bad guy, though. Unless you do it from the monster's point of view and Van Helsing is the the bad guy. (laughs) That would be fun. I mean, you you never know. But all these movies were still supposed to be coming out as we speak. I mean, we were supposed to continuously be getting these big monster movie tied into one universe style movies that would, you know, it could have been cool. It really could have been cool to see, like, because they have these style. And that also includes, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. But they also had, like, monster mashup movies planned with them already as well. Like, how how they wanted them to, like, and they actually had one in 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 the works called Monster Mash mm. because that was that was the entire you know the reason that old song was ever written was because they had this big bringing together of all these old movie monsters and they were going to try to do that all over again oh my god so in a way the mummy saved us from <laughs> it was a graveyard smash <laughs> It sounds like Burt Reynolds was in the writer's room with his bag of Quaaludes for all these people to come up with all these ideas. Gosh. No, no, he would I think. probably come up with a better one than Yeah, that. probably better than that, honestly. <laughs> I think uh, shortly before this, uh, he was in a movie to where he was a mountain man and he uh, pointed his gun at people and he said, If you don't stand still, I'm going to shoot your testicles off and I'm going to mount them on my mantelpiece. It's, it was that's his, what Burt Reynolds sounds <laughs> like to That's you? what he sounded what? like in the movie. And I had to watch it like 20 times. I'm going to shoot your testicles off and I'm going to mount them on my mantelpiece. What was this in? Without what, a paddle. Yes, it was. That was Burt Reynolds? That was Burt Reynolds. Wow. I, I had no idea that's who that was. <laughs> In the comedy classic, Without a Paddle. Yes. I did not realize yeah. that. But, you know... You put Jabba back in the hut. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to talk about that movie. I mean, <laughs> look, I do have an idea. We, there, there's a couple of us with iPhones, okay? We can make these movies happen. <laughs> We've got time, at least an hour or two, every Friday, <laughs> to do this. To do that before the podcast, and we can release them on YouTube, it, it has to be better than Sony. You can't tell me it won't. Only if I get to be Bride of Frankenstein. Wait, wasn't Sony I'm one okay of those? I think Sony was one of the places that actually, sh- you know, 
and I'm using bunny here, bunny ears here, shot movies with the iPhones. Aren't they one of those that kind of was a part of that? Uh, <sighs> That I little don't know. It's a, a big ad for thing for yeah. for Apple, but well, I mean, you can make really good stuff on an iPhone. It's incredible what you can do with it compared to even like mounted cameras years and years ago. But, yeah, but I don't know about as much as screen. as much as I wanted to see this universe. I think I saw something even more destruct, like like hard to destroy, than that of Dracula or Frankenstein's monster, and that's the career of Tom Cruise. Because the man was a part of this big, humongous blockbuster series that was supposed to carry on, and he would be a continuing, like a continuing hunter character through, like throughout it. And he just walked on past it, like mm. just what? <laughs> literally, it's like one of his movies. There's an explosion right behind him, and he's just he's walking, walking away. away. <laughs> just walking. Uh, well, I mean, Brendan Fraser did so well in the original Mummy. Like, everybody, that's kind of a little classic movie that a lot of people enjoy. Well, it wasn't even that take on the Mummy that no. they were even rebooting. They were rebooting the old school, like, uh, 1950s The Mummy. But it was called The Mummy, right? I mean, that was yeah. the name of it? Yeah. See, you can't I thought do that, that they were rebooting the Brendan Fraser thing. Right. Nope. And that's what a lot of people thought. And I think that's also a part of the reason why it failed is because expectations were set completely different. And there was nothing wrong with the original Mummy with Brendan Fraser. Yeah, it didn't age well because CGI was garbage. But mm. for the time, it was great. And he was like a beloved actor for that. Like people now still think fondly of that movie. And then you totally forget that Tom Cruise made one yep. because this one was fine. And then they didn't even change the name of it yeah, like, and, and to you, make it seem like something different. And you got Maverick Top Gun like ha pun soaring in box office scores so i mean it's he could just walk away from it and he's unscathed and nobody's there to ask any questions not a limp he no. still is a scientologist though so right. yeah. yeah so he yeah. probably believes that a lot of his movies like actually happened a long time ago probably <laughs> yeah. and he does have a middle tooth i just have to throw that in there. whoa he has a middle tooth have you never noticed that man has a middle tooth nah, i have to once Google you the see man. it you'll never unsee it oh I'm my gosh please don't make me look at an actual alien thomas cruise is that his name sure thomas okay. Tom- thomas i mean if you do want to watch a good mummy movie you should check out Bubba Hotep. Bubba Hotep is an it's a great movie. It's a movie. great movie. It's also movie. the best Elvis movie. And, well, and, I've not seen the new JFK. one. JFK. Well, I, I forget about JFK. And JF, it's JFK and Elvis in a retirement home. I know. I just forget. That's pretty close to a metal tooth. That is now, exactly. It's pretty close. I mean, the 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 line of the two front teeth is shifted underneath one of the nostrils. Well, more, that's because his nose so. is kind of crooked. You right, can, right, right. You can find a picture that has a line drawn straight through the exact middle of his okay. face. Middle tooth, and mm. you you're like, yep, that wow. is a middle tooth. That's- he went to the dentist to get it fixed, and they said that that was an impossible mission. They could not do it, so that's why he still has it like that. Oh, Sounds about right. And. Do you think after filming every single day they said that's a wrap and everyone laughed on set? <laughs> like everybody just lost it, pissed themselves. Like then they had to go to their trailers because it was so fucking funny. I'm I'm not entirely sure there was any humor on that set. Oh, I think well, that was mind. one of the ones that actually Tom Cruise got some uh, negative publicity about because he was treating some people so shitty on the uh, set. Oh man! So I think that everybody probably went back to their trailers just like. But yeah, that was the uh, that's the one time that in my recollection that one movie has killed an entire universe. And then I started watching Morbius today, and uh, you know it's Morbin time. Yeah, Morbin he says it. Time. He says it like seven times in the movie. Well, yeah, totally. He says it less than Matt Smith dances, though. <laughs> we are about to receive the last installment. Of the first Earth Battalion. Let's go. I've learned so much already, and I know that there's more I can learn. Yes, there is. Now, quick recap. they It was a military unit that was learning special abilities, being Jedis, if you will. Learning, you know, hyper-awareness, phasing, different things like that. And there was a goat lab where a go- two goats were stared to death. <laughs> <laughs> what 
one of them was the wrong target. He hid the innocent goat and not the guilty goat. All with thought. All with his thought and picturing the archangel Michael. Supposedly. What do you mean supposedly? So supposedly. So they say. According to the research that I've done, this is factual. <laughs> <laughs> There's even a website, theneweartharmy.com. It is made by several members that were part of the First Earth Battalion. So where are they now? Uh, not surprisingly, many original members remain actively involved in planetary affairs. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Get it. Papa. Planetary affairs. <laughs> Jim Channon lives in Hawaii on an eco-homestead and has pioneered a wide range of evolutionary ideas for living. He's still actively engaged in envisioning the global militaries around the world coming together as a new Earth army to deal with environmental and social problems of the future. He calls this endeavor Obel... God. Get it again. Oh, even harder. Make yeah. your mouth work. I'm trying. I'm trying <laughs> hard. <laughs> Would you like a quaalude? Yes, please. <laughs> he calls it Operation Noble Steward. And he's written about it on his website and discussed it in his YouTube videos, which I just found out he's got Whoa. a YouTube. I don't know how I missed that and all that. He'll probably be on the podcast if we asked him. Absolutely. Um, John Alexander, the father of the non-lethal weapons that were mentioned in the last episode, mm-hmm. uh, just completed a major analysis of Africa, and he's written two books on the future of warfare. John's book, The Warrior's Edge, provided an accurate description of many of his projects that explain Explored feminology because phenomenology. Yes, thank you. I, I pronounced that perfectly. Marcus, you raised your hand. Did you say he's just studied all of Africa? What did you say? He said he completed a major analysis of Africa. Whatever what does that, that mean? Do that? I don't know what that means. Okay, <laughs> I'm reading it that. from the website. <laughs> I, was, I know I it was all. Trying to I just, know everything about Africa. I, was just I did a major to, study. I was just trying to gloss over it. <laughs> he went to a trivia night that was based on African up. history. He's like, he was Wikipedia in that thing the whole time. You're not supposed it. to pick out the loopholes, okay? <laughs> or the plot holes. And he gets to use holes. his Jedi powers that he learned to learn <laughs> so much does. about Africa in such a short amount of time. I have to it's know. not the men that stare at holes. It's the men that stare at goats. Yeah. He's not going to be searching for the holes in his story. Duh, Marcus. Jeez. <laughs> He currently serves as a council member of the Society for Scientific Exploration and the board of directors of the International Remote Viewers Association, (laughs) which is (laughs) www.irva.org, which I've yet to go there. I'm going to go there later on tonight because now I got to know. In your you time. In my me time. I don't have to wear pants in that time. Nope. <laughs> uh, Major General Bert Stum- Stubblebine, Stubblebean, however you choose to pronounce that made up fairy tale style name. We had two did. episodes ago, didn't we? Yeah. Like yeah. It was pronounced several different ways during the audio book when I went through it, so I'm not sure He's how like it's He's like the spelled. Bernstein and Bernstein Bears. Exactly. Like this guy. He is situation. whatever you want it to be. <laughs> He's been in both, uh, what is it, Mandela universes. Yes. He's traveled through. He phased. He did. He phased and he remote viewed <laughs> and somebody airdropped a thing and, and made my to... notes go completely away. I just love that he's like on this some sort of board of science and remote viewing. Yeah, and. That's great. And. Me. Yes. I just wanted my to. My other friends don't believe me about these friends. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, Major General Burt, I'm just going to call him Burt from now on, is developing a sustainable community in Panama and raising global awareness about questionable medical practices practiced by large pharmaceutical companies involved in codex and vaccines. Well, that's cool. That's a cool. These guys are doing like good stuff. They absolutely are. In Africa, and then (laughs) yeah, and then some other kind of weird things. They do adhere to a specific code. I mean. They also have a uh, a specific kind of agreement that you make if you ever want to become what they refer to as a warrior monk. Exactly, warrior monk. I said that's what uh, just got airdropped to you, Tiny. Is their oath? Oh yeah. Well, we'll go through that. I, in a second. I got you, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the 130 some odd members of the army's original think tank called Task Force Delta 
have gone to on to positions in you know society and responsibility and future based technologies. So they're still active. They're still doing things. And on this website, you can download the field manual for the New Earth Army and read that at your leisure. And even Jim Channon's new book, which has another title, which if you want to find out what that is, go to the website <laughs> because no spoilers. <laughs> Such a good way of saying it. I don't want to look it up. No spoilers. I mean, literally, it's just a tab, but I was like, man. Oh, man. ouch. So what is it? What is this oath? There's an oath? If um, we all take the oath now, we're the, just, we, are we official first or battalion? I don't know. Let's ask members? questions later. Let's take here, the oath now. Yeah, here's, the, here's the thing. I, there, there was one link on their website that clicked join. When I opened up join, it just gave me this giant parchment background typed out. <laughs> <laughs> long ass like agreement and what like talking about what you're walking into as a path of the Jedi warrior it is perilous it's, it says Jedi warrior I'm telling you they used to call I'm, themselves Jedi how do I open the just airdrop where you dropped it oh, and bo- closed it <laughs> oh, I don't know how to do that <laughs> it's okay I would do it if uh, I hold, could hold on with your face the life of a Jedi warrior monk is a pilgrimage the journey is to claim your soul and bring alive the biosphere around you wherever you are. For in the soul blueprint is the perfection of the human being that is far more evolved than today's culture would lead you to believe. Your planet wants a single, vibrant, and evolved civilization of human beings who find that love reigns supreme. Your planet is capable of producing paradise before your eyes just nurture her and surround yourself with her presence. That's one of uh, eight paragraphs. I'm already in. There. Apparently, Sign. I found the page the on their website. Apparently, it is a 12-step program. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. All right, I'm out. Do they have yeah. like a lazy quick way? Like, can I send them like $20? No, apparently, <laughs> you have to go all the way through it in order to become a member and a Jedi warrior I'll for the planet the of Earth. I'll find the time. If they'll be on the podcast, I'll find the time. Yeah. That's fair. I would yeah. love to talk like to some of these people. Me too. Just, just ask them how many ridges are on wanna, the edge of a quarter. I want to learn how to remote <laughs> view. That just sounds really cool. Do you think they know how many ridges are on an African quarter as opposed to an American one? Maybe there's so much research into Africa <laughs> that he forgot how many are on an American quarter. Then he dead ass looks you in the eyes and he says, you ignorant fool. <laughs> <laughs> Africa, Afri- no spoilers. Af- <laughs> African, African quarters are on paper. <laughs> I mean, does Africa even have quarters? I don't Probably know. Probably not. I didn't research is. all of Africa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we should totally ask the man that did. What if that's step twelve of the twelve step process? <laughs> Pick a country, Africa. <laughs> no, just a country. Just a. Pick a country other than the one of your origin and study it to its fullest. Know everything about that country. What country would y'all pick? I I feel like I'd want to pick a small country so it's less legwork. I want to do... I would pick Great Britain. I'd pick... uh, Yeah, I'd probably pick Britain. Half of that's American history. Uh, (laughs) No, no. Half of American history is... British history. You got that reversed. British no, history no, goes back thousands of years. We're the best, bruh. America. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to talk to the remote viewer guy and then just strictly ask him what we're wearing. Like, So what's Tiny wearing right now? He'll be like, well, hook me up with that Zoom chat. <laughs> he, no, we just tell him he's right and he loses his mind because he's like, it finally worked. <laughs> He would lose his mind in his head, but he'd, on the outside, would be like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. That's a very good Barney Fife voice you did there. That sounded just like Barney Fife. Thanks! <laughs> I, I would love it if, though, you didn't approach it so much like a uh, like a uh, sex line there, Marcus, whenever you're asking him, like, I want you to guess what I'm wearing. Gross. <laughs> no, 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 really. Get your eyes out of my britches. <laughs> your they're, spiritual eyes. They're blue. Hold on, Marcus, before you start, I just got a text message. Oh, God. Oh, hold on. He's calling me. Hey, you guys. Malcolm? I thought he was dead. Malcolm called me. I thought he was dead, too. Hey, bud. Hey, what is it? I'm just going to text it to you because Austin said he hates my voice. Which Austin? Which Austin? Do you want to talk to him? No, I just... Do you want to ask him the questions? Never. I just wanted to know. All right, fine. I never want to talk to him. All right, fine. 
Okay, just give me, just text me, okay? All right, I love you too. <laughs> I love you, Marcus. Marcus. Yeah, yeah. Just what tell him you? I'm not here. <laughs> Sorry, Marcus isn't here. I'm at the window. <laughs> oh, oh, he is. Marcus is peeing. Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just, what just you see a is just message. a projection. I love you too. My body is phasing in and out of reality. He just sent me a text message to tell me how awesome Space Castle is. So he's been listening to another podcast that's not ours, which makes me feel a little bad. But I've also listened to Space Castle, so I don't feel as bad because it's really good. And it's just some nerds doing nerd stuff like we do, but a lot of times much better. So I can now understand why Malcolm likes to listen to this podcast. I just want a Space Castle now. I know. Like Earth Castles are now boring. Yeah. They mean nothing once they're in the space. Yeah. Since Earth Castles are made of sand. Right. What are Space Castles made Clouds. of? Clouds. Clouds. Oh, not yeah. like not like space sand. No, it's got. Well, I mean, what else is a cloud but space sand? Think about it. I was just thinking of a castle or like a space station, but just like modeled like a big cathedral. What would the moat? There would be a moat still, right? Maybe you can't have a castle without a moat. Yeah. You also can't operate robots. Would there be like Danny DeVito's sharks in it? <laughs> Sharky DeVito's. <laughs> you can't operate a robot without a moat. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. All right, well, uh, I'm going to listen to Space Castle here in about 35 minutes once we're done doing this. Cool. So I wanted to have another one of our, well, I, I don't know. I guess I, y'all know I'm obsessed with tropes, and I really like talking about tropes. And so I've been perusing the internet, as I do, in the 21st century. And this idea of fate's worse than death kind of came over me and it's like yeah i mean like we're used to seeing characters die we're used to seeing actually we're used to seeing fates worse than death a lot in in the stories that we enjoy um but you know hold on let me say this that none of this is really my idea this is uh like i I watched this video overly sarcastic productions on youtube they have what they call trope talks and so basically i just took notes on their video it's a really good video y'all should go watch them okay yeah, I want to listen to you first, though. Oh, yeah, I don't absolutely. want to watch him right now. Well, I'm now. just going to try to relay some of the information that was in this video because, yeah. I don't know, I'm just kind of obsessed over this idea of fate's worse than death. and Because really, it's a conversation about the stakes of a story. Like, um, you know, in, in a romantic comedy, the stakes of that story are, is the relationship going to work or is it not? You know, that's pretty much the stakes. Pretty low stakes. And, you know, as we get into more movies that we kind of like, we, we like higher stakes stories. Yes. Like an action movie could have a, could have stakes of is that, are they going to survive? Are they, or are they going to die? You know, so that's pretty big stakes or, or are they going to start world war three is the world that we know even going to look the same after this story, you know, but then we get even bigger when it comes to sci-fi and it's like, is the planet or the, the system, the star system, the, the galaxy, the universe, the multiverse. Is it going to be the same after the story is over? So, I don't know. We've all probably been there where we're watching a movie or reading a book or a comic book or any kind of story that we consume. And you just call the author's bluff. There's, mm-hmm. like, There's no way they're about to do this. Yeah. And sometimes you're wrong, but... Most, Most of the time, time, you can just spot it. Like, yeah. this story can't afford to lose this character mm-hmm. because then no one's going to watch it. Right. And so that's where fate's worse than death come in because, you know, the audience has to kind of feel like the stakes are real, like like this could actually happen in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a fate worse than death kind of depends on – it's a very subjective judgment. It depends on what character – is dealing we're dealing with here so it's like some characters you know this would be horrible worse than death basically it's just something that the character wants to avoid even more so than dying yeah and they don't have to and the story doesn't have to lose the character either so it works as a device for the character to be in enough peril for you to fear for them Mm -hmm. and to them i mean to you it may not seem worse than death but to them in the situation they're in they can it can if written well it can really seem like Man, this is I bet this character wishes they were dead right. as opposed to dealing with that. So that's a that is a good way, like a really good trope to mm-hmm. keep a character around but also have the stakes high enough to where you still care. Right. But they can 
kill a part of them off. Like, I mean, right. that's that's what a lot of times this is, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's killing a part of their soul away, or mm-hmm. a part of their life is taken is taken from them, as opposed to their you know their life force, right? So, I mean, it can also be like a plot point that actually drives the story forward. Absolutely, I've yeah. seen like the Dark Tower series, for instance. Um, Roland's whole objective is to make it to the tower, climb to the top of the stairs and see what's in the upper room. While he's on that journey, the world is being destroyed and going to cease to exist. So along the way, he has to do things to stop that from happening to achieve his goal. Because if that happens to him, that it's worse than death to not know what's in the upper room. To not know. So face worse than death, like, you know, can happen to our heroes, but a lot of times, uh, it can be more kid friendly. A lot of times to use a fate worse than death for, for, to punish your villains, hmm. uh, you know, to lock them away into the shadow realm until they can find a way to come back or something like that. The phantom zone for Superman. Sure. That's how they do that without Superman killing someone. Mm-hmm. He sends them to the phantom zone and they exist in nothingness, like yeah. in suspended, like just, yeah, yeah, nothingness, basically. Yeah, and purgatory. That, that is, yeah, and they, basically hell, yeah. almost. It could be in a darker story. Right. But Superman doesn't have to kill somebody. Right. He just has to send him into this other dimension. Or like right. the, uh, or like the, um, which I don't know if you'll need a spoiler fart here or not. You can decide later in editing. Okay. Uh, but the Doctor Strange movie, Multiverse of Madness, had a character with a fate worse than death, which was a Doctor Strange himself in a different universe's version of him who was a slaved uh, who was enslaved to the Darkhold which was like a magic grimoire kind of thing and he was the Doctor Strange that everybody had seen kind of a version of him from uh, what, what if because he was in an isolated universe all by himself the only thing left in that universe and he was enslaved to the Darkhold unable to die just there waiting for somebody to to come across his path. I think that would be a fate worse than death. Well, I mean, you can even go back to the first Doctor Strange when he makes that loop with... Uh, Dormammu. Yeah. yeah. He makes I'm here that, to make a bargain. Uh, yep, just over and over yeah. repetitively. You're right. Time loop would fall into yeah. this. Like somebody stuck mm-hmm. in a time loop, like Groundhog Day. Like you do the same thing over and over and, 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 and that over was the and reason. That was the reason he did that to Dormammu in yeah, that right. movie was because that he wasn't powerful enough to destroy him, but he was powerful enough to, to give make him, him a, relive that moment yeah, over and over again. To mm-hmm. have That's a great. fate worse than death. That's creative. That's yeah. awesome. That's really, really cool. And from this conversation, it happens a lot when the heroes do this to the villains. Yeah. Like, I know the villains want to do this to heroes and they do succeed in it. But a lot Mm. that we remember from these conversations, like heroes are doing things to villains that are worse than killing them off. Right. But it's because they have a code to where they don't want to kill them or something like that. Like it's, or that we want this not to be on a kid's cartoon and not get complained about. Yeah. That's Mm. when like ethics and morality get weird when it comes to yeah. stuff like comic books and superheroes mm-hmm. and, and eternal torture is like, fine. Yeah. But just fine. straight up death. Kill no. Him. Right. Right. It, yeah. It's a weird, it, it just gets weirder than just the idea yeah. of, of, well, there's, somebody. there's a scale too. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, they, they can kind of go from dramatic, but fixable mm-hmm. fates worse than death all the way up to irreversible nightmare. And, and like, even like body horror and things like this. So it's like, an alien laid an egg in my mind and now I'm a slave to its will type type storyline or, you know, just straight up body horror type stuff. Like I've been turned into this creature. Uh, zombie viruses are often fates worse than death. In zombie story, you've, you've seen the tropey. If I turn into one of them things, you can hand them the gun. Make sure you blow my head off. You yep. know, I don't ever want to be one of them zombies. Yep. That's jeez. I, I don't know how I didn't think about that, but that is in every single zombie movie, everyone ever, ever. Yep. Yeah. So the higher end fates worse than death can leave characters physically scarred or maimed. You know, that's the body horror thing, and also psychological effects. You taught you touched on that earlier, like mm-hmm. you said that. I mean, this this could scar them for the rest of their existence. Right. Uh, brains overwritten to be some alien slave over mm-hmm. for the, to their overlord or whatever. But also, Tiny, you kind of mentioned. That it can they, things like this can be used to drive the story forward. Like if we think of a lot of our characters that we like from comic books, their backstories are fates worse than death, and it's it's actually what a lot of revenge stories are about. Mm-hmm. You know, this fate worse than death was 
is in my backstory, and now I'm hell bent on becoming this rage filled monster who's going to go and get revenge no matter what. Batman. I was about to say Batman. Wolverine, the Winter Soldier. These characters are also not necessarily afraid of death because they've experienced something worse than it. Right. And that's something that drives their character building mm-hmm. is the fact that like they will do things other characters wouldn't because they're not afraid of dying. Like if they if they do this, they've already experienced the worst. Like the dying is nothing compared to what they've already experienced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I remember Kratos crawling out of Hades like in God of War 3 or 2. He might have done it more than once, I think, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like so I mean, you know, there's lots of that in mythology characters go into the underworld to crawl back out of it or to to come back uh some ones i can think like sauron is kind of a fate worse than death like he's an immortal character but yet you know slowly over time his power can grow and even at the end like Tolkien, kind of in the books in in the movies he's kind of done like forever Mm -hmm. but in the books he's just so weak that he will never be able to like actually manifest again so he's still out there he's just he'll never have the power that he Mm -hmm had to raise armies and things yeah. like that. So he's just got to sit there and watch everything happen and do nothing about it. And they, they can't end themselves either. Like that Sauron can't do anything to just vanish. Yeah. He right. He just has to sit I there mean, and, and yeah. be and entertain himself. And think for about what he's done. Right. <laughs> like he's got to think about being a bad boy. <laughs> yeah, he's for in eternity. Yes. He's in timeout. <laughs> so kind of just to review a little bit. So audience friendly death alternative. So these are basically uses for faith's worse than death in fiction. They can be used as audience friendly death alternatives. They can kind of, they scale from like fairly chill. Cause you know, I feel like the time loop is a little bit more chill mm-hmm. than like you have to be tortured for millennia in the, in hell or something, you know, or in the, the underworld. A lot of times they're used for karmic punishments for villains for being bad, very bad boys, kid friendly high stakes. So it's like, you know, you don't want to kill your character off, but you want to actually make the the, the child fear for their favorite character, mm-hmm. and also dark and tragic backstory. So really, it kind of just boils boil. Ugh, sorry, I'm from the south. It really just boils <laughs> down to a very very bad thing that can happen to a character, and then it's just like it's so it's either death with extra steps <laughs> or just drama. Like and it's all it's up to them as to how dramatic it is. Like, right? Because to some other character, that thing happening might not be a big deal, but right. specifically to this one, right? Like that's normally the case. I feel like is that's that's when it's most effective is when you've built a character that's so either relatable or someone that you understand because they have so many facets of them that make them unique. And they get that specific fate worse than death. Like it means more than just a, a vague version of so it. So what would your I fate worse like. than death be? Oh, no. Probably forced to walk across a floor of frogs. <laughs> like of toads, actually. Toads specifically. <laughs> frogs, not as big of a deal. I've, I've realized that my true fear is toads. They're much worse than frogs juicier bigger yeah yeah Yeah. so i feel like mine would be like if i were to have to leave a room it would be to walk across barefoot a floor full of toads (laughs) and i would rather never leave that room and just starve to death (laughs) than have to leave to go to the pantry and and do this so somebody somebody that's either your punishment for being a villain or a bad boy or it's your origin story to become this vengeful like somebody did that to you yeah and now you've become this vengeful knight (laughs) I was on a binge of watching stuff today. I watched another movie called The Deep House, and The Deep House has a fate worse than death in there uh, that is actually an eternal life is a fate worse than death in this movie because the eternal life that they're granted is from a demonic plot that is surrounding this house that they explore while they're uh, diving deep underwater to this house that's been flooded and still remaining like full standing and everything. Uh, they get trapped in the house, and she pretty much, you know, she's going to be there immortal forever. You know, her partner's already dead and is immortal forever down there. And he said, just join us. It's fine. And she realizes, like, this just, this isn't it. You know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to escape. So she tries to escape, and she runs out of oxygen, and she dies about 20 feet from the surface. Mm. So that, to her, she would do anything even risk her life to know that she might not make it to this, like make it out and 
get to breathe air again, she's going to risk it because that's a fate worse than death for her. I think immortality is a pretty common fate worse than death that, that yeah. I feel like I've seen a lot too. Yeah. But I've never thought about it that way. Like a, <laughs> like until we bring up these tropes, we all know them. Like oh, yeah, we, we all can, know We them. can recognize them immediately as mm-hmm. soon as you describe them. We're like, oh, yeah, this, 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 and this. But when you're watching something isn't in the front of your brain. Well, like, that's why I think it's so fun to talk about it. Yeah, because you talk really about is. it and then you, you start, all these things start coming to mind, these random parts. You know, it's just a yeah. fun way to kind of talk about fiction, really. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's your fate worse than death, Tiny? As we all know, I don't do heights or depths. So if you chain me on top of a thousand foot cliff a mile underground, <laughs> that, that just... <laughs> It oh, seems like it. the worst thing that could possibly uh, happen to me. Yeah, that is the movie The Descent. If you watch the the horror movie The Descent, I wanna. You will see they go underground spelunking. They find a demonic race under the ground that's like hybrid from like bats and humans and stuff like that. And it's morbid like time. Morbid time. Yeah. yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah, uh, but it, that one they run into. Uh, they go into this really deep cave and underground they find this like two three hundred foot like cliff cavern that's right there so you're both really high up and really far deep and i'm also sticky <laughs> that's oh yeah how did sure. you know have you seen the movie no no i'm just saying that I, I, I would be sticky at that point too i'm sure marcus what is yours gosh i don't know it's hard <laughs> probably being locked in a room with and I miss you on repeat, like for eternity. Yeah, that would and not being able to blow my head off. Right, an earworm controlling yeah. your brain. Well, for that the rest one specifically of time. though, right. like okay. I get it. It was on White Chicks. It was a decent song, right. maybe t- for the first two listens. What I mean, we, I don't think that, but some people do. What if we were locked in the same room together, and every time I opened the door to try to walk out, whenever I stepped on a frog, it was a different note of that song? <laughs> so, like, at the same time... Yeah, but it's like all toad squeals. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, That just gave me the shivers. Even worse. Yeah, that's pretty That's pretty horrific. Mm, that's the scary. frogs. Frog screams are actually really scary. So. Frog screams? Yes, yeah. they are. Yeah, almost There's a, a lot of stuff about frogs that are scary, and people don't understand it. And I have yet to find a frog simulator, but maybe if I saw a frog's life from the frog's point of view, maybe then I wouldn't be so afraid maybe. of them. Maybe if I just got to hop around and eat flies for a little while, I'd be cool. That's how God I mean, sees frogs. You get frogs. to do that in real life if you really want to. You're oh. the only one stopping you from doing this. From becoming frog? You just get in frog mode, you know, <laughs> squat down with your knees up by your ears. Hop around all willy nilly and try to eat, eat flies. Some flies. Dung, yeah, that's a good point. But I'm I not th- going to stop you. Look, you'd be a very good frog, though. No, so I would be a very be, bad. You'd frog. You'd be a really shitty a frog, terrible frog. But it'd be worth trying. But a simulation, a sim game, I think would be the key for me being a good frog, as well as a good city creator, a good lawnmower, a good power washer, a good, good farmer. farmer. Bingo. Like simulation games is what I want to talk about because I've been really into them lately. And the idea of them is fascinating because most of the time, well, I mean, a sim game is like it takes a facet of reality and makes it the core mechanic of the game. Like you're doing something that you do or someone can do in real life, but you're doing it digitally. So there's a lot of them that are like, like honestly jobs that you do. You mow lawns. Like we played that recently on Great Flavored Gaming, like a lawn mowing simulator. You're a lawnmower person. Like all you do is you mow lawns and you weed eat and such. And <laughs> in real life, right now, if we were to do it, we'd probably pass out from the heat, but I can do it inside. So if it's not a good day for it, which most days it's a good day for it, but some days it's not. But you can still have a good day mowing lawns on the computer or whatever thing it is that you're using to mow lawns on. And there, The Sims is one that I th- if people have played for years. It's sold over 200 million copies of the game. And that's a life sim, but it's also like a god sim too <laughs> because you aren't the people like you can have the people go do the things but the people do the things on their own like yeah. without you you just set up the world around them and see if they'll fail and make them fail a lot of times which 
yeah shows what kind of deity you would be right you're the deity of a little town exactly <laughs> there's and, some there's some really bad sims out there too. oh there's though. some terrible sims I'd there's a great deity there's oh yeah i'd let you be mine nice yeah there's uh there's some intentionally made poorly well, I, I don't know, but because maybe when first starting to create it, I'm talking about Goat Simulator. Oh, that's if great. If you've ever played Goat <laughs> yeah. Simulator, I feel like they might have started to make something to where they're like, oh, I wonder if you could be a goat. And then they saw all these glitches and they're like, no, this is way funner. <laughs> so they left all the glitches in and it's the charm of the game. So you get to be a goat and you run around a city hitting people and doing challenges and your goat a lot of times will glitch out to the point of stretching to like a mile long and flinging into the air. And in any other game, you're like, man, that sucks. I got to go do this again. But in this one, you're like, I wonder if I can hit that glitch one more time and fling this goat across the world. And it's interesting the difference between like say that simulator and Microsoft's flight simulator. Right, I was going to mention flight simulator. Which is used to train pilots. I mean, right. it's been used to train pilots for years now. Like it's an old game because yeah. it wasn't a game to begin with. It was actually a thing for pilots to learn how to fly planes. And I remember growing up, my dad had a flight stick on the his old computer with flight sim on it. And it was impossible for it me to do. So hard. It's so hard to even take off and forget landing. You're just going to smash it into whatever place it was you took off from. But it's amazing that you can have a simulator game like that that is so realistic that people that are in charge of other people's lives are using it to train and then simulators where you're a goat like <laughs> running around causing havoc. Well, and thanks soul that we have flight simulator because <laughs> You know, we we wouldn't want to have to train new pilots in actual planes because, I mean, think of how many times you crash. I mean, you really yeah. only get one mess up. Exactly. And so, I don't know. I think it's really interesting. I mean, because there's going to be, as technology it progresses, I mean, there's mm-hmm. probably already stuff like about what I'm about to say, but like mm-hmm. surgery simulators and stuff for surgeons yeah. and, and things like that. I think most, there are surgery simulators, but I think they're more of the silly kind. To where it doesn't necessarily, because for a sim, it doesn't necessarily have to simulate perfectly. It's simulating like a situation sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like even Animal Crossing is a social simulator. Like because all these little animals are just out doing their thing. Like you're not making them do stuff. They're just programmed to walk around and do random things. And you interact with them and bond, like bond with them, make friendships with these things. So it's a social simulator. But you wouldn't think that the same like that game where I get to go make friends with a stitched up teddy bear that can talk to me, like is on the same is under the same umbrella as flight sim. Like it's, it's insane yeah. of how wide this thing stretches. Well, right, Gran right. Turismo's got like, yes, it does. So many damn iterations of it now. Uh-huh. And people, those are some of the games that people will invest like 2,500 to $6,000 on their special gaming chairs mm-hmm. that simulate these feel of driving an actual vehicle. So they're, they're playing the simulator game inside of an integrated simulator machine that they've purchased for their house to have and simulate the actual feel of driving a vehicle ridiculous oh yeah people do the same thing with farming simulator wait really <laughs> yeah i haven't I, seen those rigs which i play farm i've been playing the crap out of farming simulator here yeah. lately it's super fun one of the people that i unfortunately haven't got the chance to play with yet because he's on the road a lot addy he has a steering wheel and a chair and all these things set up so when he plays it's like he's driving a tractor that's crazy farming simulator one of the glitchiest, <laughs> buggiest things. It's the brilliance of it is that it's so easy to mod, and it makes the game so much better when you do mod it because some of the tasks are so tedious and time consuming, like seeding and harvesting and fertilizing. You you, you download mods that are real cheaty cheater because it makes life so much why? better. It's why? purpose. Why would you want to play right. if it's that boring? Well, it, it's the whole you're running a farm. You're trying to build up your stack of cash to grow better crops, mm-hmm. make more money, and move on. Which, if you do it with vanilla, a lot of the vanilla things are just garbage and they do not work well anyway. Mm. And if you're gonna go and mod it, you might as well get the you know 100 foot harvester head that you can make giant freaking fields <laughs> and only take 
45 minutes to harvest it as opposed to two and a half hours. Gosh. And it's something like this that you can start to, I mean, and it, and in no way does it, is it come close to being an actual farmer, but the idea that the tedium of it and how long it takes to do the things and how sometimes it's not very rewarding, but you have to do it to get onto the next thing. Like you can start to appreciate the actual jobs. These games are modeled after yeah. because there's uh, some really popular ones are the, uh, what Euro truck simulator, I believe the, yeah, there's that one in America. The semi, yeah, yeah. The semi driving ones hard to drive. Yes. And long, like actual, like real time. There's some real time things in that game too. I believe with driving like cross country to, to places to where you're just driving a truck for that <laughs> long. And it sounds like it sounds super boring, to a lot of people, but to some like that don't want to play a game to where it's competitive and they don't want something that's just high stakes and all this other stuff. They're like, I want to relax and do something that I can't do in real life that I could do if I put the time into it, but I don't want to put the time into it. I want to actually just sit here on my ass and and make a farm. Yeah, can I change my fate worse than death? Yes, because playing <laughs> Euro Truck Simulator. Yes. <laughs> um, well, what about sports simulators? Because... For me, I love sports games, but I'm not the best at them. Right. Like I don't put enough time into them to yeah. be good at them. Mm-hmm. And but managing teams and stuff on these games is what I end up doing. So the game isn't designed necessarily to be a simulator. Right. But You're more of a manager. Right. GM or but, something. But once you take over that role in the game, that section of the game, now it's a simulator. Right, yeah. Because you're running a team, you're mm-hmm. making draft picks, you're choosing happy or, starters. Or sad and, with their playing time. Exactly. And, yeah. Like and it's this whole you're not even playing the game of baseball, but you're you're controlling a team mm-hmm. and, and then and, simulating the seasons. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I ended up doing a lot in that in basketball. Wrestling is one of the best ones ever because you watch the matches and you don't even play. You just set it to the CPU. And so you're setting up <laughs> like all these storylines and making all these characters and stuff. And it's like, you're running a wrestling federation, but you don't actually have to play them because the controls of wrestling games are hot, stinking fecal garbage. And they always will be. I was 12 to 15 years old at this stage of my life and i used to play dating simulator games yeah. on newgrounds.com oh my there are God. plenty there are so many dating sim games and that's so weird it is absolutely weird and it, i i blame those games actually for my social uh ineptitude is that the right word that's great word. word it's such a good yeah, word yeah it, it it kind of blocked out to what reality would be and more so like i had like these specific goals that i had to accomplish and uh yeah yeah it made me into a very socially awkward person when it came to females because that game totally that they were there they were so fun for this little awkward kid <laughs> but then the kid became semi-man and then semi-man was like something's wrong with me what's going on i don't i don't know what's happening and then i had a best friend at the time when when i was probably like 18 19 that's like dude just settle down who's well, that hey, just settle down you're too <laughs> you're too much you why why are you trying so hard for this and you it's, Looking back on that point in my life, uh, Dane was right. <laughs> I, was, I did it. I, I was. I was. And now you're married. You're lucky. I did it. You're lucky. I was there. Yeah. See, he did it. Now, and in dating Sims, you have like four options of a th- of a line to pick. So it's like the right answer is there, and you've got a twenty five percent chance of picking it. <laughs> but then you go to real life, and you're like, "Where are the four options? Like, excuse yeah. me, do you have four options for me? <laughs> <laughs> what would Kikamore do? <laughs> I have found an analog simulator and that we can purchase and huh? keep at the grape sack because you were talking about you know digital simulators well analog ones exist as well okay so for the is it operation is it the no, board game operation well <laughs> ish but no for the low low price of $1,259.95. A lot of pocket dollars. We can get prostate exam simulator. Whoa. With four yeah. interchangeable prostates. Yeah. And we can keep That's that on the dining room That's table. So good. And we can teach everybody how to right. do it. We're in our early 30s. We're getting to the point yeah. where this could be useful. Exactly. We could save a lot of money. Yeah, look at that picture. If we can do this for each other. Yeah. You, you know, wow. totally there, realistic. There, there was another simulator that I was thinking about, too, whenever you were mentioning some stuff earlier. Uh, there, my mother actually had surgery surgery uh, for knee replacement here a few years ago and the institute that actually performed the surgery uh, pre-did the surgery digitally in a simulator 
before they ever they awesome. did they did umpteen different kind of scans on my mother's knee knew what was inside and out of that area knew what was going on put that into a simulator and performed the surgery before they ever touched her well, that's, that's really cool awesome and so that stuff I mean, it exists yeah. in practicality. This is where video games and, like like you said, practicality and actually using it in life, they blend together. And it's really cool whenever you see that because you see so many people say you're wasting your time playing video games. It's like, well, actually, there are plenty that I can actually use to be better at something in real life. And but Goat Simulator's not one. Goat Simulator's one. not one of them until, <laughs> unless I is become it, a goat. Even the medieval one? Wait, there's a medieval goat. Oh yeah, simulator? there's a medieval. Goat That's got to be so much better than regular goat simulator. Oh, imagine I've the not antics. played it. I've just seen videos. Oh. You wouldn't have to worry about getting over chain link fences. They hadn't invented chain oh. link yet. No. Well, then you yeah, like, you don't have to worry about getting hit by a car, just a, a horse cart. and buggy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they got like you know lines of pricks. Yeah. What did you just call? Huh? Me? No, no. Okay. Oh. So in medieval times, you take a big old log, you put a sharp end on it. That, that's called oh, a prick. Okay, oh, okay, I mean, it's, okay, it's, okay, it's okay, okay. Became okay. slang for something else, but penis. <laughs> Gross. Oh, love it. The VR, like VR, being in like up and coming right now, fusing VR with these simulators makes a whole nother world of it because now right. you're not just in it with the controls you're in it with your brain and your your eyeballs and i couldn't even play the uh, flying the flying virtual reality game you had like six years ago on playstation vr it's sickening I, because, is that what that stands for yes i thought it was vegan realism vegan yeah re- but that's the other game <laughs> Oh, that's, that's actually Goat Simulator. You're, you're attacking all the meat eaters. Oh, okay. <laughs> sounds like a okay. literary genre. <laughs> vegan realism. Okay, oh. today, class, we're going to be reading vegan realism. <laughs> Imagine how much scarier like a horror game would be if it if you could like the game could make you smell stuff. Oh yeah, like if you could smell blood and like bile and disgusting stuff. Like think of how scared you would actually be in like a VR <laughs> video game. I'm, I want video games to make me smell, damn it. <laughs> they had to get rid of a ride at Disney World because it scared too many people because of this, uh, the hyper-realism that they had. And it was had, an alien? Yeah. Um, what? Yes, I, was, I, I rode that ride. I did too. And it was, it was actually Universal Studios. No, th- no, it wasn't that No, one. you're right. It's Disney. It, yeah, it, it, was was Disney. In, it was in Tomorrowland, and they turned it into a family-friendly stitch ride because it scared so many people because they did actually have scents that they would pump out the vents and different yes. kind of water. And you could feel the alien's breath on the back of your neck. Yeah. Whoa. And at one point, uh, the alien, spoiler, the alien gets squashed by something. And you get splattered. And you get splattered with blood. The person I was there with, we were, it was like a, my parents and a couple friend went and the lady literally broke out of the seat and broke her daughter's seat out and then left because her daughter was screaming and like terrified. Completely terrified. Did yeah. you pee pee? It was scary. scary. It was yeah. scary, but it, you know, I didn't flip out. I'm right. I was. I was. I was blown away that that existed <laughs> amongst. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was yeah, pretty young exactly. though. I was like eight. Well, there's a there's a game called Alien Isolation that is a very spooky alien game to where you're hiding from the alien, like you're just hiding from <laughs> yeah. it. You're, you're on a ship. Fight it. You're just no, hiding for your you're life. You're hiding away from it. And it's, I've never played it, but I've seen some gameplay of it. And it's one of those things, like if you were to put me in that situation to where I smell or feel things in yeah. it, I, that's a big nope for oh, me. Right? <laughs> Absolutely not. And our listeners should be lucky that they can't smell anything from this podcast. Gross. So thank you for at least using your ears and listening to Nerd Through the Grapevine on Spotify and CastBox and iTunes and Good Pods. And if you're on Good Pods and any of the other ones, rate us five stars and tell people why you love us in the comment thing. And then if you hate us, put five stars. Tell people why you hate us. But the five stars makes people see it better. Yeah, that's why. That's why I want you to do it. And then if you go to the description of the episode, there's a link to go buy merchandise with our logo and names on it. You can drink from, uh, you can drink coffee from a thing that has our logo on it. And every morning you can think of us. Have you ever wondered what the grape Power Rangers would be powered by? That'd be an excellent thing to ponder on. And we can talk about it if you wanted to, if you get on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter and look up at Nerd Grapevine. That's where you can find us on the social media platforms, as well as getting on Patreon to donate a little bit to the cause. You can look up at Nerd Grapevine and find access to content such as 
grape-flavored gaming, and also future stuff that we're not going to release right out to our major listening audience. For a little donation, you can also get that shiny holographic Nerdy Through the Grapevine logo sticker. Uh, just whatever you do, do not try to describe some of the stuff that's off of Great Flavor Gaming to your friends. They're not going to understand why you laugh so hard at this is why God watches us mo, and you're going to cause them to have a little bit of... After doing this show for as long that I, as long as I've done it, and doing the Tiny's Terrible Tab segments, people have started sending me their terrible tabs. <laughs> I got one in the middle of the show tonight during the recording process. Is this a teaser? It's a it's a slight teaser. <laughs> it 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 tickled my tip. That's all I'm gonna say. And it will be on the next the next rendition of Tiny's Terrible Yay! Tabs. If you wanna send me some, you can send it to Discord. If you're on my Facebook page, you can send it to me there. It's under my real name. Good luck figuring that out in most people <laughs> in internet land. But find us on Discord. There's a link in the description. There's memes. There's all kinds of cool, fancy, awesome doodads. We're on there live, uncut, uncensored, and irrevocably circumcised. You say your real name at the beginning of every show. Shut up. <laughs> Don't make him actually listen. That is real Tiny, name. When life Don't gives you grapes. You, you get a rubber model of a bungus. You put it in said bungus and explore it with your <laughs> finger to determine if the bungus's walnut is inflamed or swollen or malformed. Oh, God, I forgot to grease this thing up for you. <laughs> That's what I do with grease. 